Most of us in healthcare are warm, caring people who are committed to keeping our patients safe and doing no harm. But there are some among us who do the unthinkable and betray our noble profession. On this podcast, we like to shine a light on the good and the bad. Each week, I'll be joined by another healthcare professional, and together we'll dive into these stories while chatting about nursing and healthcare along the way. I'm Tina, a registered nurse, and this is Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we have another fascinating story to tell you for the bad nurse story. It's actually going to be a doctor. Shock, shock. But uh, before we get into a story, I want to introduce my guest hosts. Yes, you heard that right. We have two this week. I'm so excited because we are going to have Nick Gar back on from the Nurses Station series that he did. You guys remember a few weeks ago. Welcome back, Nick. Thank you, Tina. It's so great to be back. Wow. I'm flattered. This is awesome. Well, it's great to have you back. You did such a fabulous job last time. I had so much fun with you. I wanted you to come back. And then you, you and I were talking about your producer, Eliana. And I was like, oh my gosh, she has to come on. She sounds amazing. So Eliana, welcome to the show. Hi, Tina. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Happy to have you. This is Eliana Gonzalez. She's the producer and also one of the actresses of the show, Nurses Station series. And you guys, if you haven't checked this out, you got to go to YouTube and find it. It's so, um, well, tell them how they can find your your show, first of all. Well, you can always subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nurses Station, the series. You can follow us on all socials. We're everywhere. <laughs> Nurses Station series, Instagram and TikTok are our strongest uh, um, platforms. So, but we're everywhere. So we'll give you an email address, you know, later on, if anyone yes. wants to reach out, that would be great. Cause we'd love to hear from nurses. Yes. And for the good nurse portion, we featured Nick before and the good nurse portion. But what I wanted to do today is uh, when we get to that segment, I want to kind of do a part two of that discussion because I want to bring in Eliana's uh, perspective after she's been involved in these the, in this show and doing these episodes as a producer and an actress and uh, sort of getting that behind, be, quote, behind the scenes, pun intended, look into <laughs> yeah. healthcare. I can't wait to talk to you about this. That's a great point because actually that's one of the targets of the, I mean, the series is to help sort, is to educate the public about what goes on. And hopefully when they go into a hospital, they'll take things into consideration if, you know, if things are moving a certain way that they don't really want, you know, they can t- see the whole picture. Exactly, Nick. And that's you and I have the same goal as far as you know, for for this podcast, I want to bring awareness, I kind of have a lots of different things that I, I try to do for the show. But one of the things I definitely try to do is bring awareness to the general public about things that go on in healthcare, so that they can be aware for their own safety, and also for the safety of the staff and understanding and being patient, you know, with the staff sometimes with some of the things that that go on, you know. Absolutely. They're all, I mean, everyone that I've ever worked with really always was doing their best. And sometimes they're, often things are just outside their control. And, um, you know, people just don't understand that sometimes. So hopefully they'll understand it a little bit better if they take a look at this show. That's, that's the goal. 
Did you know that you don't have to go all across the country to be a travel nurse? You certainly can, but you don't have to. I literally took an assignment that's an hour and a half away from my house, and I love it. I can stay in a hotel room if I want, or I can drive back home. So it's the best of both worlds for me. For my next assignment, we're going to get a cabin in the mountains that's about two hours from our house, so it'll really be like a little getaway. Also, one of my really good friends is going with me so we can share expenses. You guys, even if you're just a little curious about travel nursing, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. So I guess we can get started with this bad doctor story. <laughs> Today we're going to dive into, Man. oh my Oof. goodness, such <laughs> a shocking case involving, this is Dr. Anthony Machetto. He's actually from New York. He's a New York cardiologist. And his illegal activities were unearthed in an extensive undercover police investigation. This was such a crazy story, Nick. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You want to talk about gangster? This is ga oh, gangster. This yeah. is gangster. <laughs> mm -hmm. It sounds like wow. something just right wow. out of a, yeah, a crime drama. So initiated in December of 2014, the investigation first exposed illegal oxycodone pill transactions and that, that led to detectives unearthing a more sinister plot involving firearms and explosives. Dr. Machetto was found to be intricately involved in these dealings, and he was discovered to have transferred assault weapons and prescription drugs for illicit purposes. I'm not sure what other purposes. <laughs> why would you be selling them outside of the hospital? Right. Right. The investigation, which encompassed six undercover drug purchases, revealed that Dr. Machetto had sold over 400 oxycodone pills to detectives. More alarmingly, during these transactions, undercover agents bought two loaded assault rifles, magazines, and ammunition. Because, hey, why stop at drugs when you can go full action movie villain, right? <laughs> Wait till I read a little bit from the from the post article. You're really going to just, it'll <laughs> blow your mind. But I, go ahead. I cannot wait to get to that. Nick. <laughs> so, in wow. a twisted turn, it was learned that Doctor Machetto sought dynamite to demolish a building, and then later opted for arson instead. The target of these violent plans was a fellow cardiologist with whom Dr. Machetto apparently had a professional fallout. I guess Tony missed the class on conflict resolution in medical school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he and he's a DO, which which makes it a little even more wild because, you know, DOs are supposed to have more I guess maybe we can get into a little bit of the difference between an MD and a DO. Yeah, and I've talked about that before. I love it. I love that you brought that up, Nick, because anytime something like this comes up, I like to use it as an, a kind of a teaching opportunity. There really isn't aren't a lot of differences as far as their scope of practice. They are exactly the same as a medical doctor. As far they can be surgeons, they can you know whatever. They're basically a medical doctor, but they are more holistic. They it's a doctor of osteopathic medicine, and so. Their approach is different, but they have all the same privileges and their scope of practices is the same. To see a doctor of osteopathic medicine is no different than seeing a, a medical doctor in terms of like what they're able to do, what they learn in school. It's just that their approach is very different. Have you noticed, Tony, or uh, Nick, have you noticed that they, this is going to sound weird, but they seem nicer usually? They're more people oriented. 
Well, that's their training. Their training is, from what I understand, is they are people who are not so much into the the holistic. They don't understand the holistic thing. They think of it kind of a kind of a airy an airy kind of thing, and it's and it's not. It's really kind of what doctors were orig- originally before technology really took over a lot of the things. But they're very hands on. They're into prevention even more so than where doctors, MDs kind of fix the problem. These want to cut it off before we get to a problem. They manipulate bodies and joints. They get a lot of their information just by examination and feeling a patient, touching a patient. They have more of a mind-body connection. They, they use that approach. I mean, that's what I, this is a more of, that's why I find it interesting that he's a DO because it's, it's the antithesis of everything he had done (laughs) that he he does in his practice. I mean, according to his training, it's the absolute opposite. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because anytime I encounter a physician, you know, in the hospital and they're like really personal and just very easy to talk to and down to earth and instead of treating nurses like they're beneath them. They treat them like a colleague and they're, you know, I don't know, just, so they. I, I'm like, I'm like, are you a DO? I just, I feel like you're a DO. <laughs> and th- not always, not always. I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush. That's not fair. Well, I mean, I worked in a cardiac step down and, and I knew some amazing cardiologists who were not DOs, but they, but they did all that anyway. They were very hands-on. They were great communicators, and they were very good about teaching what was going on to the patients and to the and to the nurses. They treated nurses like colleagues. They'd never talked down. I mean, I I didn't have that experience. There were definitely MDs who do that, but the training is that's what DOs they do that as part of their training. And let's clarify this for you know those of us not in the healthcare profession, DO stands for? Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine. So when you see, it's probably so confusing for people, but if you see, you know, like if you're going to, to find a primary care doctor or, or a cardiologist or anybody, and you see DO, if you're, you know, if you're thinking, well, wait a minute, is this a legitimate doctor? Or are they really a physician? They are absolutely 100% legitimate. There was, there's some contention sometimes between the MDs and the DOs. I think that's probably gone away quite a bit. I mean, it's it's dissipated a lot over the, the years, I think. But when it first started, there was a lot, uh, there was a lot of contention between the two schools of thought because of the competition, you know, and the, I would say that MDs, you know, that whole school of thought, it is more science based, you know, it is, and maybe that's changing. I don't know. I probably, it's probably not even fair I think there's more of an overlap now than there than there ever was before. They are uh, again the DOs in their training. The the mind body connection is more is more I think uh, addressed more than uh, regular MD mm-hmm. training. Although their what they do in their scope of practice is 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 very very close. I mean. But I think that they were saying, I was reading that MDs are still, because of the title, you know, like Eliana, I said, well, what does a DO do? She see, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who still don't really know what a DO is. An MD, I mean, guess through, because in media, in the media, in, in television shows, you never hear DO. Except in nurse's station, you will hear DO because exactly for that reason that people don't know what a DO is. And I wanted to include that as as a as a doctor as a doctor in the hospital that 
just as good as as an MD in some ways. In some ways, their approach is it depending on the patient is better for that particular patient because they will address things that that patient would be more into the mind body connection, for example. So yeah, I think that's changing, but uh, MDs for a while got more of the uh, prestige, I think. Yeah, I'm glad we used that opportunity to do a little sidebar there and kind of talk about that because I think it's important to bring awareness about that. So the investigation linked a conversation about arson during one of the drug buys to Machetto, leading to the partial destruction of his colleague's office. The criminal charges against Dr. Machetto detailed his involvement in the arson plot, stating that he supplied the co-conspirators with both a key for entry into the building and, of course, money. The charges further revealed that one of the accomplices used this key to enter the premises, carrying a duffel bag filled with gasoline, which was then used to start the fire. This is really, it, oh it really is like a real life episode of a bad crime drama. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, what show is this? <laughs> right, I know. It's like, I promise I'm not recounting some, oh, you know, my goodness. Uh, Law and Order episode. This is not, this is not Law and Order. This is <laughs> are, an actual... What are these people wow. thinking? They don't care about their own profession and how, how this could affect their future as a doctor? I it's, I think so. it's vengeance so, so uh, important, right? <laughs> like you know, it is blinding. Yes, I I always think of of like I mean, there's a kind of a mental illness and you know involved in 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 sociopathic behavior. The visualization that I use for it is the old fashioned switchboards, you know, where someone would plug in, yeah, and right, exactly to, what to make about, a connection. Yeah. I think certain people who have these mental illnesses, like you know, sociopaths don't have those connections. That's the only thing that's different. So it doesn't even compute because they their brain is wired in such a way that there's no connection. There are certain triggers, I do think, for some people that can can disconnect those things. Like they're going along and they're just like you and you and me and we and they 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 do have the ability to discern. They do have the ability to, you know, empathize and understand and and think ahead and anticipate the repercussions of their actions. Mm. But then something happens to trigger, you know, they get so angry, like you were saying, Eliana, just that vengeance. And it literally does something to cloud that connection in their brain. And they, they, it's like it, the other part of their brain that once that vengeance is so powerful, it literally just overrides everything else. And that's all they can focus on. They can't distinguish right from wrong. It's... (laughs) I do believe that that's true. I mean, I think they still know it's wrong because, you know, in the eyes of the law, that that would probably be considered insanity. Mm. But you can't just can't give people a a pass, you know, in this circumstance, because look at look at what people will do just because of pride, basically. Yeah. Another thing that's interesting is is the way these sort of tendencies are are kind of compartmentalized. So here's a here's a person who is not just a doctor, but he's a, a DO, meaning that he goes more into the feelings of a person and their mental state and all that as far as the healing process. And he's a cardiologist on top of that. So he's a very specific thing. And yet what he's doing outside of his practice is so hurtful to people. It's the exact polar opposite of what his profession is. 
it's almost like it's got a little everything's in a little box that that ability to to want to help people and and work with them and cure people especially from the approach of a do and on the other hand have this little box in your mind that's willing to that wants to maim and, right. and kill somebody yeah wow that's some complex I mean, like psychology right there <laughs> that's yeah. a dichotomy yeah but I mean, I mean, I know I've seen people, even nurses that that are fantastic nurses, and on the outside, very organized, uh, almost you know OCD, and 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 how well they have everything laid out, and in their personal lives, I completely right. <laughs> right. It, it it can be like they are, everything's all over yeah. the place, it, it and it's just interesting. I know. I remember my dad used to joke how talking to being with talking to a doctor very intelligent educated person and yet didn't seem to have mm. common sense <laughs> and like it i'm i'm really thinking that talents don't carry over into other parts of the brains they could be very very specific and or, or even feelings towards things i'm i could be very very fussy about how i deal with something how i lay out medic my medications but my sock drawer yeah. is a mess. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like what you choose so to, I yeah, find that, to focus in on. Yeah. I'm not even sure if it's a choice necessarily. I, I, yeah. I wonder anyway. I don't know. We all know that when we're taking any medication or supplement, dosage matters. And it's important to take enough to get the desired result. For example, only taking a 10 milligram Tylenol might not help with your headache. Well, the same is true for CBD. If you try a low dose CBD product, you may not feel anything. But it's not the CBD's fault. The dosage is the problem. This is why CBD Stat only makes high-dose CBD products that actually work. And now, their products are getting even stronger. CBD Stat is happy to announce that they're launching a new extra-strength version of its highly popular topical products that have 7,500 milligrams of CBD. This new strength will by far maintain CBD Stat's status as the most powerful CBD product line on the market. More CBD means it's more effective in helping everyone tackle daily aches and pains. CBD Stat sent me a box of these new products and I already knew it was going to work because I've been using it for my neck pain and foot pain, but I can definitely tell the difference in this new strength and I'm really excited to get to tell you guys about it. And on top of these new higher strength products, they're also dropping prices across the board on all their products to make CBD Stat not only the most effective on the market, but also the most affordable. And don't forget, all you healthcare workers out there, get a special additional discount to help keep you strong. Just head to cbdstat.care forward slash healthcare and find your new secret weapon. That's cbdstat.care forward slash healthcare. So he actually used blank prescription pads and, and money to kind of fuel these illegal activities. And he even suggested, this is horrible, assaulting the victim's wife, if necessary. So basically, he said, you know, when you go to beat up this guy, if his wife happens to be be there, just go ahead and beat her up too. I mean, you talk about incongruent to that whole who that facade that he created because he he had a good reputation among people. People thought he was great, thought he was really likable. And I'm sure on the yeah. job he was great on the job, but that's on the job. See what I mean by the, the everything's in its own kind of compartment. It's really odd. Oof. That's so awful. I mean, just how cold and callous, you know, do you have to be to not only him, but his wife, too, if she happens to be there. In one recorded conversation, he was, this was played, you know, in the, in the courtroom. He's, you could hear him saying, I think if you put him in the hospital for a few months, I think we're done. If he's stupid enough to come out after that, then you'll make more money, because then you'll have to kill him. 
All right. <laughs> How powerful are those words in the courtroom, hearing him come out of his mouth on a recording? That shows to me a mental illness, definitely. That's, um, or, uh, you know, a personality disorder where that it's that sociopathic kind of, you know, streak in somebody. Because this is not something, this is not a crime of passion. This is an ongoing thing that he's that he's doing, not just going after his his former partner. I mean, this man is selling narcotics on the side. I'm going to refer a little bit to that article in the New York Post that's dated back in 2021. Get this. So he he has guns and things in his in the hidden, and they're hidden behind a bookcase where you press right. the button and the bookcase opens up. <laughs> Like, like Batman, I know. you know? It is so crazy. All right? Yeah. I mean, that takes a he lot. Thought of, that, he, that he, he, he thought of everything. That takes a lot of plan. He thought of everything and planned and, and, and allowed for it and, and, and had it built. Some fancy technology, and, and too. Arsenal, <laughs> I know. It's like the chron- it's a, like the Chronicles of Narnia, but with guns, like, you know, wow. and not yeah. magic, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what I. This is not just a a, a one shot thing. This is not just someone getting angry mm-hmm. and and losing their temper. Very well thought out. This is out. somebody mm-hmm. who he has. Let's see. According to this article, they uncovered a cache of uh, over a hundred weapons, including knives, Ill- illegal assault weapons, a hand grenade. <laughs> Gosh, I know. I know. Which, of course, this le- led to his immediate arrest, obviously. And so at the age of 56, he pled guilty to a litany of charges, including weapon possession, criminal sales of prescriptions, arson, conspiracy. And that was in response to a 77 count indictment. The court heard chilling recording evidence where he coldly calculated the intended harm to his colleague. His sentencing had recommended 12 years in prison, but he actually ended up only getting five. And this was in 2017 when he was sentenced. So guess what, guys? It's and 2023. He, yeah. he, you can do the math. And he, Yeah, he, he's out. <laughs> he's out. And he only served four years from what I'm, I'm reading. Yeah, because yeah, I think he got out because of COVID, if I'm not mistaken. Like that, or because they were like letting everybody out left and right for COVID. They're just like, so let's pick out, so let's let this person out who clearly, you know, has a whole stash of weapons. That's his thing. He sells drugs. That's his thing. And he's planning a murder. So we'll let him out. Uh, Do you know how many of these stories I've done where people were plotting to murder somebody, a, a coworker, a spouse, or someone? And they literally just get a slap on the wrist or maybe just a few years in prison. I'm just like, you guys, they they went, they were trying to go through. And one of them, the undercover person that they thought was the, the person that was going to be killing his wife, that person sent him a picture of his wife bound, gagged, and like thought and looked like she was dead. So he literally thought he did it. I'm just wow. like, this is insane. Yeah. Yeah. I know that this this doctor, well, this well, this person, Mister uh, Machado, mm-hmm. actually, I mean, he he gave money in to have the job done. Yeah, of course, it, it turned out they they were it was a, it was a police. Thank officer. goodness it was so, because look right, what a, yeah. But he was do he was doing it. I mean, he they did the arson. I I don't even understand. Five years just does not seem like very long, but you know. Well, according to the post article, it says that if he was convicted, he, he was, he could have faced a maximum of eight and a half to 25 years. 
which seems a little bit more in line with the kinds of things that he was doing, right? And yet he only gets sentenced for five. Yeah, he was also mandated to pay over $80,000 in restitution for the arson damages. I believe he surrendered his license at the beginning. And also they suspended his DEA prescribing privileges. But then he tried just recently, well, when he got out of prison, he tried to have his ability to get money from the government for Medicaid, Medicare services. He tried to have that reinstated. Yeah, he tried to appeal that because they they suspended it for like 15 years where he could not get money from the government. And if you can't get money from for Medicaid, Medicare services, you might as well forget it. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Apparently, the only thing that saved the, his his victim's property from being burned down is he just happened to have a sprinkler system, according to the Post article. So in his mind, I mean, he it would have happened. He would have actually done it. It didn't happen just because, luckily for the victim, he had something in place to stop it. But this is just crazy. This is a guy who really was going to go went through with it. He went through with it for all intents and purposes. Yeah. And and he does say that even though he pled guilty, he says that he was told to do that by his attorney. And he was told that he would serve minimal jail time and that he wouldn't lose his license because he wouldn't be considered a violent offender. And then what? It, it, as it turns out, right. But as it turns out, what he agreed to in his plea deal, he was considered one of the things was considered a you know, violent offender. And so that wasn't the case. And so what he when he, when he appealed that judgment to have his ability to participate in federal, federal government programs as a physician, that was what he said. He said, my attorney told me to do that. That's the only reason I did it. So he kind of was saying it wasn't true. Well, I mean, I, again, I'm there's some things in the Post article, and of course, the Post is kind of known for some little more sensational <laughs> journalism. Right. Supposedly, there's a recording of this where he's actually talking to the the undercover police, and and this is you know this deal is recorded. So I didn't know how you're supposed to wiggle out of that. Yeah, they played that in court, so it's kind of hard to. But he, he claims that he, you know he was set up. He said at one point that he was drugged. So I, th- I think, you know, he had his way of kind of explaining things away, but the judge wasn't buying it because they, they yeah. upheld the, well, the 15 year suspension. Wonder why. Yeah. Wow. My goodness. Well, his, his Yelp scores definitely <laughs> went down on this. Yeah. Kind of took a hit. I mean, I can't, yeah, I can't see him ever, you know, who would want to go? Really? I'd be. <laughs> well, because I mean, before this, he actually had a really good reputation. So I think a lot of people would have looked at the reviews and just would have would have been like, oh my gosh, he sounds like a great cardiologist. He sounds like he's so nice. And they would have gone to him. Yeah, the crazy thing is he probably was a superb yeah. cardiologist. You know, it's sad for so many reasons, but we need good cardiologists. We are We have a shortage of good doctors in this country. We really do. We are in trouble. I work as a transfer coordinator where I would take phone calls from hospitals looking to transfer to to another hospital because they didn't have the services there. And if you go out to the New Mexico area, Arizona, some of those areas out, um, out west, you have to go hundreds of miles to find an ENT or a neurosurgeon or whatever, OBGYN. I mean, 
It's crazy. We need good physicians of all all specialties in this country. So when I hear a story like this of, of a you know a good cardiologist that you know Who's got crazy. involved in something like this, it's it's upsetting. It's, it's so upsetting. Yeah, it is. It is definitely upsetting. The way a person is in their profession is not necessarily how they are. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day, and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it and she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, the echo technology that makes the stethoscope so amazing Uh, You can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification, wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get $50 off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get $50 off your order. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health, and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. If you're like me and you don't want ads interrupting your podcast flow, you can access our episodes ad-free just by becoming a patron. You can also have access to bonus material like episodes being released early, the video footage of me and my guests recording the episode, and a brand new podcast that's offered exclusively to our Patreon subscribers called Breakroom Conversations. Your support will really help us to keep the podcast running smoothly. To learn more, just head on over to our website, goodnursebadnurse.com, and click the link to become a patron. Well, I guess we can get into the good nurse portion of the show. I love this this part. Woo-hoo! We kind of get to shift gears from all the negativity. And I'm really excited to get to, to discuss um, this with you, especially Eliana, about uh, the show. First of all, Nick explained about the show, but from your perspective, what explain to our listeners, you know, what the show Nurses Station, the series is, like what, what can they expect if they go to watch the, the series? They can expect to see the most real, (laughs) but also fictional stories about nursing they can see. Because pretty much everything we have on TV right now on the big networks is tends to be like a, how would you glamorize version of what the healthcare? Glamorize, melodramatic. You know, I mean, they, they're, they're there to entertain. We are too, but it's not just to do that. It's like what we said earlier. It's to sort of bring a little bit, not educate a little bit. So 
Talk about some of the things you've learned, Eliana, that you didn't know before. I look at it and I, I relate so well to it. I'm just like, oh my gosh, yes, this is exactly what happens. Everybody watch this. What do you think from, from a non-healthcare perspective? First of all, I love when people actually feel that way because that's also one of our goals is to people to really see themselves in the show and to say, yeah, like that's that's a real thing that happens and or that happened to me and that's that's wonderful. I think it's a profession filled with humanity and it's so stressful and you guys work so hard and it's such a thankless profession, unfortunately. Not sure why. Right. There are patients that I got to actually be friendly with, you know, that I knew that we just, you know, hit it off and, 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 and kind of kept a little bit of a connection outside and are very grateful for all the things that we do. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a business and the administration very often treats it like that. And we don't, may not get the support. A lot of that, I remember when we were in COVID, you know, the, heroes work here yeah. and all that stuff meanwhile we were struggling yeah. with <laughs> with all kinds of equipment issues and and they didn't really you know we were getting f food from the from the the neighborhood and, and the community not from the hospital didn't help us at all in that we were stuck in the hospital all day long 12-hour shift couldn't do lunch because we were all dressed up like astronauts we didn't know what you know, what the, the, how communicable COVID was at the time. We didn't know a lot of the details, how people were getting sick. And we were really scared about that. And, and so uh, we're, we weren't given any kind of support in terms of even just food. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, we had cafeteria, we had food process, you know, cafeteria and stuff like that in, in the hospital, but we, they didn't, the hospital didn't help us with any of that. The community did. So I thought that was a little, you know, not cool. I just don't think the general public knows exactly what nurses go through. Discussing ideas for the show, I would be like, wow, is this something this person really said to a patient or the other way around? Or is this something that really goes on? And just having my mind blown by things I've, I've seen or heard. And wow, it's just being so, so shocked that some things are so allowed and just happen like, well, I know that Ellie, when we were doing especially episodes where where we were wearing PPE, yeah, yeah, it, like you guys, our, our COVID episode was, and, <gasps> uh, yeah, I, I, we got to wear all that equipment for a full day, and we were struggling to breathe. We 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 were sore. We had headaches. We were like, I can't believe you guys wearing we're wearing this for over twelve hours daily. Yeah. Those are painful. I had no idea how painful those were. They should not exist. They should be made differently so people would be comfortable doing their job. And the safety glasses and the, yeah. Well, and think about this too. You know, you, you walk into a patient, you have to put all that stuff on, walk into a patient's room. You try to think of everything that you need before you go in there because you don't want to have to come back, you know. And so you get in there and then you, you, you know, is there anything else I can do for you? And then it's the second you get all of your stuff off, they're like, oh, can I go to the bathroom, you know, or something like that. And you're just like, you got to put all that stuff back on. Or you, you come out of the room, and you're about to go into another room. And then that person calls out again. And you're like, I just left that room, I have to go in here now. And think about taking that, putting all that stuff on, and then going in, doing what you got to do, come out, take all that stuff off, and then put all that stuff on again, because you have to obviously put brand new stuff on every time you go in and out of a room. It is so exhausting. It's hot. 
it's uncomfortable and, and all those things. The thing you guys have to deal with with family members and the things they brought in and all those situations in a patient room, I was like, wow, yes, like I putting my putting myself in, in, in your shoes and Yeah, and I there were things that would happen during COVID in particular that I can remember being particularly just thinking, I can't believe this is coming out of your mouth. Like, uh, you know, patient family members would call in wanting to see how their family was doing, which was, you know, totally understandable. Obviously, I, you know, would want to talk to them, give them an update of what's going on. They, a lot of times would be, I don't know, just some, some, not everyone, I don't want to say everyone acted like this. I remember one time in particular, someone got upset because they brought food and dropped it off and then accused one of the nurses of eating the food. And the nurse was like, okay, number one, if you think that we would eat food that was brought from outside the hospital from a family member, unless we really know you, it's not likely because nurses are kind of germaphobes a lot of times and are just probably going to, if you bring us something, a lot of times we will thank you and be like, oh, thank you but probably not going to eat it because we have no idea what your house looks like or what, you know, like we're just kind of like that when, you know, our thought thought process for the most part. But for another thing, I'm sorry, but we're nurses and we're in here working and taking care of your family. Do you honestly think we would eat something that you brought? Why would you be so quick to jump into that that conclusion and just accuse me of something? How unfair. (laughs) Yeah. So hurtful, especially when during it, it, you you know, it's it's nursing has never been an easy profession. It's it's always been challenging, but during COVID, it was particularly difficult for sure to see the hero signs and hear people saying, you know, oh, we th- thank you so much, we appreciate you so much, which was really a lot of that clanging of cymbals uh, and banging of gongs was going was right. Pots that and was really to do here. They the, bring their the hospital administration doing that to try to direct attention away from what was really important. And so it was really frustrating. We were dealing with all of this stuff. And so when you're dealing with this stuff, and, but in spite of that, you are working so hard and sacrificing yourself, not going to the bathroom for 12 hours, not, not eating, really literally physically putting your life at risk, taking care of COVID patients, and then to be talked to like that, you know, from by a family member, it's just like, wow. Well, right. And, and patients themselves. In fact, we have an episode where that happens, where a patient doesn't want to accept that they're, they, they think the whole thing is nonsense. It certainly wasn't in the beginning. We, we really did have the, the freezers outside the, the hospital because there was no room, you know, in the morgue. That's how people were dying. And it was scary to us because we didn't know all the details of what the disease was and how it was being transmitted and all that stuff. And you would think, this is one of the problems that I was having, you think the hospital would back us up with, all right, a patient's being admitted. Here's the situation. We are in an emergency situation here. Just look around. This is what you should expect. This is what you shouldn't expect because we are in an emergency situation. So, Tina, to your story, oh, Oh, I just remembered something. Can you bring me a, a Coke? I'm like, hello, I would love to, but this is an emergency situation. And then me coming in and out of this room, when we don't know how this disease's transmission is putting everybody at risk every time I open that door. We were treating it at first like it was TB because we didn't know if it was as communicable as that. You know, TB, you put them in the, in, in the in the zero pressure rooms, right? So that if you do open the door, it doesn't fly out into the hall. We, did, we didn't have zero pressure. Not all our rooms were zero pressure rooms. We didn't know. 
So rather than tell these people, look, every time we open that door, you're putting yourself, our nurses, and everyone else at risk. We're happy to give you and help you with whatever you need, but there's going to be certain limitations. My hospital, anyway, never did that. And so, and so people would complain, and, and, and my manager would get all dressed up and go in there and talk to them and tell them, you know, and hold their hand and everything. I'm like, okay, that's nice, but that's not helping us. You need to be upfront and tell everyone what is going on and what to expect. That's the kind of support we need to feel like we have, you have our back. And I never felt that. Yeah. And I tell you, it's still going on because the, the repercussions from COVID are still ongoing. We are in a huge crisis in, in healthcare. As I said earlier, we don't have enough healthcare workers. And I mean, physicians of all different specialties. I mean, nurses. I mean, respiratory therapists. I mean, everybody. The respiratory therapists were right with us in terms of that kind of treatment, because the, I was again one of the in our nurses station episode we say, which happened, only the nurses and the RTs were going into the rooms. They told the doctors not to go into the rooms because they didn't know what, what you know how how contagious this was. But we went in. We were the frontline people who went in. They would call us the essential. They would like to put a nice little fancy spin on it, give it a nice, uh, impressive sounding title. But the fact was, we were the ones that they would, you know, consider they, the most expendable, I suppose, because we were the ones that were going in. Doctors were not going in. They would say things like, well, you're going to have to go in anyway to to give your meds. While you're in there, you can take out the garbage. While you're in there, you can draw the labs instead of sending phlebotomy in there. That's just another person. So you, they literally would put all of the responsibility onto the nurse. And again, that's fair. And I get that. And that's, and that actually I get, but what I didn't get was then, okay, if it's that iffy as to how, you know, we can protect ourselves that we have to limit really the people that go in there, then maybe you should inform the public as to what to expect in a situation like this. This is a critical, critical emergency situation. Now I'm talking about it when it fir- when we first got hit, when we really didn't know what was going on. We didn't even know, you know, people were being put on vents and for a lot of them that was the wrong treatment, but we didn't know we were going by the book. Because this was this was what we knew, and, and, and it took a little time to realize what to do. So we were being as cautious as possible. Did did the uh, were they educated along with that? No, they weren't. And so that's part of the problem. I think what happens when people are going to the hospital, we are already at the bare minimum staff because the hospital wants to keep their profits up. A certain you know, and I understand it's a business, but then you have to make the public realize it's not a hotel where anything you want, we're going to run right in because we have other things going on. There's people who are critically ill right next to you in the next room. And maybe it's not because we're, you know, on our telephones. It's maybe because we're actually dealing with somebody who is in a life and death situation. Yeah, exactly. Do they ever say that? I don't right. think no, they you're ever not supposed to say, say things that. like that. Yeah. You're supposed to try to try to soften everything up and pretend like there's no problem whatsoever. <laughs> right. Smooth it over and make the hospital look as much as a spa as possible. 
of course now, you know, I understand you want people to be comfortable and that's great, but I also think it's you can't treat people you got to treat people like they have a brain and at least I think people appreciate that, that do. don't you? You have to start I think most people do. There are some people, of course, it's not a level playing field. Not everyone has the same intelligence and not everybody is wired the same again. Do they have the ability, are they narcissistic and have the ability, you know, to, to, to worry about another person? Maybe not, yeah. A lot, some people don't and they will never get it. Those people just don't have the wiring to get it. But I think it's, to put it in a nice way, to educate the public as to what to expect and what's going on. And that's yeah. one of Hopefully the things Hopefully raising awareness to do in this through our show by entertaining is, people, right? Yes. Not hit over people over the head and, and, you know, preach to them, but hopefully in an entertaining way. With humor, right? It's every now and then, too, because it's part of the job, too. But, Tina, it's all those situations that you mentioned and hoping that somebody will look at it and get it because they weren't getting it from... The hospital itself, the hospital itself did not educate people as to what to expect. That happens even now. I mean, I worked on the surgical floor too. And I don't know what is said in the doctor's office, but you would think the pain, the pain management issues, people would have an idea what to expect. I have people coming in. I had patients coming in getting surgeries who thought they were going to feel no discomfort. Like, where would you get that notion from? I mean, you're here having a major surgery, even if it's a, a knee replacement, which is, which is very, which can be pretty uncomfortable, you know. And you have to go through rehab, and you got to work through it. I don't think they educate people honestly. They set it up. The impression I used to get, and is they would set it up and make it look as appealing as possible, but it wasn't the accurate picture. At least it wasn't the whole picture. It would fall on the nurse. The, the nurse would get the fall out of that. I hope that after watching the show, some people grow more empathetic and kinder towards healthcare professionals. You know, I definitely, I always thought of myself as a very empathetic person, but I have a whole different level of appreciation now after knowing so much more. I think it always helps to understand the other side, you know, consider the other perspective, even within healthcare, it's important for us to understand what other healthcare professionals, as a nurse in an ICU, I need to be empathetic about the nurse in the ER and what's going on there with him or her, and what they're dealing with. And when they bring me a patient and not blame them, if they bring me a patient that maybe their IV isn't working, or they oh, the, you didn't start this medicine or whatever, like try to empathize with each other. Absolutely. Boy, you hit a big, beautiful topic there. I mean, nurses, I always feel need to have each other's backs more instead of finding ways to find a, a problem. I mean, you know, the needs in the ED are different than the needs on a med search floor. And so you tell that often by the report, right? The ED is going to, for the most part, my experience is the ED is going to give what is important to them, but that may not be what's important on to the med surge nurse. And so the med surge nurse can be frustrated and get angry with the ED nurse, and that's when you start butting heads. And it's not necessary. Just understanding what the other person needs and what is important is 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 really where it's at in terms of teamwork. So Eliana, what's one of the episodes that stick out in your mind that kind of teaches a lesson that sort of for, from you from a non-healthcare perspective was a little surprising? Well, I think episode two, which is the one I happened to start in, <laughs> no, not because I'm in it, but because it's a very powerful one in terms of how 
administration tends to treat nurses when something goes wrong and how so much blame can be put in them. And it was a nice one to be part of. So this, this nurse is very overworked. She's, she's a wonderful nurse and she's uh, very stressed with all the patients she, she's dealing with. And there's, there's this very sick patient she's taking care of. Whereas, um, you know, she, she's taking care, care of patients at the same time and uh, things just escalate and, uh, Patients start demanding things and things start going a little wrong in her day. And she has this very sick patient that's about to die, unfortunately, and he ends up passing away. And when she gets called in and administration gives her, what's it called, Nick, when they punish you? <laughs> you're, you're, you're written up. You're written yeah. up. Yes, that's a term. Uh, and she gets written up and it's it feels so unfair to her because she's literally been working so so hard that day to make sure everybody's comfortable that that everybody is just taken care of in the best way possible and her mental health is declining the uh, as the hours go by that day and it's 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 so it's so heart-wrenching to to watch it's like what you were saying before tina where i mean there are people that don't have an understanding of what's going on and so in this story Ellie's character is taking care of a critically ill patient. And there's another patient that she's taking care of who's being discharged, who's actually doing pretty well. He complains about me, about me not bringing water, not bringing snacks, and the water's cold, and this and this and that. And like she's literally trying to save someone's life at the same time. And this guy is just could just go out any minute and be fine and move on with his life in a normal way. And 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 the patient gets upset and, and complains, but that but you know she's pushed in so many different directions, taking care of a, of a very sick patient and one patient who's doing well and is leaving and is complaining they're not getting all this hotel treatment, and she gets written up for it. And it's not fair because she's such a great nurse, right? And she did not intend for that to happen. And yeah. Do you think that as someone who's not in healthcare, people watch that? Do you think they're going to, maybe the next time when they're in the hospital, they might think about that if, if they're sitting there thinking, man, I asked for a Sprite and it's been like 20 minutes and I haven't. I know. I hope so. I really hope they reconsider how demanding or, you know, how, like what, something that seems so harmless as to, hey, can I get another glass of water? It's like, maybe you can wait. Maybe you can wait another two minutes. It's okay, you know? And and stop and consider what what could what could, it's a hospital. What could possibly be going on? Don't stop and think that nurse is just sitting at the nurse's station scrolling on her phone. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But that sometimes that's what patients think, unfortunately. And sometimes family members will, you know, they'll walk up to the nurse's station and they will see nurses sitting there scrolling on their phone. I mean, that just it happens. There are nurse there that happens. You have downtime sometimes in between patients. You have you you will have times when you're not as busy. And then you'll have times when you have way too many things to get done in a certain amount of time, and they all need to get done in that certain amount of time. And it's literally physically impossible. And they're all very important to someone's health. And that is so incredibly distressing. It's it's internally, emotionally distressing to a nurse who has, you know, five patients, and three of the five patients have things, interventions that they need to do for them right then that are very important antibiotics that need to be hung, you know, immediately, so many things that are ordered for a patient that are time sensitive, 
and they can all come at the exact same time. Or you could have a time when you literally just discharged three patients. So you only have two patients left and you just walked in there and you've aggravated the snot out of them now because you keep going back and forth going, you sure you don't need anything? You sure you don't need anything? And then you're like, okay, I literally, I've asked everybody, no one needs, no nurses need any help. I've, my rooms are ready for my next patients. And I'm, I'm literally at a point where I don't have anything to do. So you will have those times and you, you've got everything charted. You will, you're sitting at the nurse's station and you happen to look at your phone. You know what, guys? Sometimes they're literally, you know, sometimes they're, they're texting with their family. They're checking on their kids. Sometimes they're even doing education or they're looking up their, a, a patient that they're about to get. They're, they're literally sitting there looking up information. Oh, I'm getting a patient with a chest tube. Oh, I haven't had a patient. I haven't had a chest tube in a while. Let me look up education on that. Please don't judge. And you may see one nurse sitting there and you think, why is that nurse sitting there when my father is being discharged? But you, that's not your father's nurse. And so they have no idea what's going on with your father. They have no idea that that father's nurse is in another patient's room. So there's so many things that go on in a hospital. Please don't be so so quick to judge and jump to conclusions. So we try to show the machinations of a hospital, you know, and that, and hopefully someone will go, okay, maybe that's okay. Listen, it's not all sunshine and roses. You know, not all nurses are on their game at that particular day either. And and we talk about that too. I mean, some, I mean, some nurses are just, for whatever reason, not, not doing it. You know, and and we want to show that too because that happens. And it's in every profession. You know, I mean, it's there's good and bad in everything. I like to what we try to do is we don't demonize anyone. So we try to explain that you know, sometimes, sometimes going someone's going through something we don't know until we walk in their shoes, kind of thing. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to let people walk in nurses' shoes a little bit and see what it's like. Like Ellie was saying, she's actually. You know, as an actor, has has gotten a taste of it by walking in 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 nurses' shoes a bit, a little bit, and and you know, she gets a she has it has more of a profound effect because she gets to actually play it out. But we're hoping that people yeah. go along for the ride and hopefully think about what they what they're experiencing because the hospitals don't tell them, they don't tell them. And the show is not just for nurses, after all, too. It's for everybody. Yes, and it's important for everyone to see it. I think every, I think, and I mean, think about how many, how many medical shows there are out there, and they've been around for decades, and they're popular for a reason. People are curious about what goes on inside hospitals. Yeah, the guts to create your own. No, I'm glad you had Nick. You had the guts to create your own project and use your own experience to really enlighten people about this. And I'm glad you brought me into. <laughs> I'm glad you brought in a female perspective into things. And, you know, I think it was important to, to see. You know, one of the things that I want, especially with, with three of us talking, is we're all, we're all taking the bull by the horns in the sense of we're, we want to we get a message out there. We want to educate people and, and entertain and all of that. And we didn't wait for someone else to do it. We, we did it. And I think that's important. I think other people, that's a lesson unto itself that if anyone has an idea, whether they're a nurse or a doctor or, or, or whatever their profession is, whatever it is they do, even if they stay at home, dad or mom, and there's issues or they need something that's not there, that they can fill that void themselves. It just takes, they have need the courage to do it and the determination. Something usually clicks. I know for me, 
you get pushed so far you go, all right, that's enough. I need to let people know about this. And I'm sure that was, Tina, you probably had the same similar journey where finally that to get you to do your own podcast, that takes nerve. It takes nerve and it usually takes something has to happen to push you so far that you go, you know what? I'm not going to sit around anymore. I have to do something and people should be brave and, and, and take a shot. You need a good team that believes in your idea, that is willing to, you know, push through when challenges arise and it's going to hold your hand and just keeps believing in the idea until, until it materializes, right? So I'm glad we have that at the show, you know, we're lucky to have that. I'm glad you guys have that too. It's so important to bring awareness. It's important for people who are in healthcare, who see your show, who hear this podcast to know that they're not alone in experiencing some of these things. Yeah, and that's an, exactly. I mean, your podcast definitely does that. I know one of our goals in our show is that is is a voice for nurses, for nurses to look at and go, yes, yeah, somebody gets it. Somebody sees there are other people that have experienced what I'm experiencing. And there's power in that. You know, you're not the only one. But yeah, go out there. If you have an idea, put it out there. Do the best you can. Do it. Do it. Go for it. I always tell people that all the time. If you want to do some, if you want to do, if you want to start a podcast, email me. Send me an email. I want to hear about it. You know, I'll help you. I, I, I love helping people. Yeah. I mean, I would love for people to reach out to us. Ellie, what's a good ploy to, I mean, she's the one who knows that better than I do. <laughs> We're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, X, threads everywhere. We check our socials very often. And if people want to reach out there and send us a DM, we're we're more yeah we're happy to get those messages there and obviously subscribing to our youtube channel liking our videos commenting we're in we're, we're in an independent production so any help we can get any worth of mouth that we can get um any nurses telling up yeah nurses telling other nurses friends telling their friends yeah and then support from like people like you tina you know uh, there are other been other uh, nurse influencers who've been very supportive too and that's i think that's good outside of nursing and really important inside of nursing. I don't I don't know if nurses, you know, unfortunately I've seen nurses not be as supportive as they should be and I'm hopefully hopefully doing things like this and showing things like your podcast and our series, you know, we'll get nurses, you know, a little bit more on this working together and protecting each other. Oh, I hope so. We have to. We absolutely. We're all on the same side and we've got to be we ought to have each other's backs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so fun. <laughs> well, Tina, thanks for having us. Listening to it and then having actually being on it is just is just a thrill. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. You guys definitely go check out their show. It's the nurse. It's the nurses station. The series, and they're on. You find you can find them as I said on YouTube, and of course they're on social media. And you can email me at tina at goodnursebanners.com if you want to give me some feedback. I love hearing from you guys. And you can find us on social media, and of course goodnursebanners.com is our website. And before we leave, I always have to remind you: even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. Mm-hmm.